the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now, this is important. You know why? Because it reveals to us that our generous giving has the potential to stimulate and to excite and to motivate other churches and and other believers to be generous as well. Now, you may not think that. You may think, well, it's just between me and the Lord. They passed the collection plate. Who who really cares? Just the Lord. The Lord sees it. No, no, no. One man I heard of who wasn't a very good gardener went out the back door one day carrying a seed catalog. His wife asked where he was going with the catalog. He said he was going to show the pictures to his tomatoes. (laughs) Examples can be highly contagious, but that seems a little extreme to me. Seriously, though, you'd think that the Lord seeing our generosity or stinginess, that would be enough all by itself. He is the one we need to please, after all. But the example of our generosity can be just the inspiration someone else needs. While we never want to show off, we do need to set the best example we can. We're glad you could tune in today for Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We're studying from 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, in which the Apostle Paul recorded for us some highly practical instructions about giving with generosity. We are right at the very end of chapter 8 right now and about to move into chapter 9. In the previous broadcast, Pastor Steve reminded us of Jesus' words that it is more blessed to give than to receive. In our secular world, that's just plain crazy talk. How can it be better to reduce the balance of our checking account without getting some product or service in return? Pastor Steve mentioned three ways. It benefits us, it benefits others, and it glorifies God. Let's turn now to chapter 8, verse 24, as Pastor Steve begins to show us how we benefit from being generous. Let's begin by looking at the first benefit of being generous. Is this. Number one, it demonstrates your love to others. It demonstrates or proves or puts on display your love to others. Paul tells us this in verse 24. Therefore, openly, before the churches, meaning the other churches, show them the proof of your love and of our reason for boasting about you. Now, Paul says that I I want you to show to other churches that you, the Corinthians, are a loving church. I've boasted about your love. Now you have an opportunity to demonstrate it. Now, why did Paul say this? Well, the verses leading up to this statement, if you'll recall, Paul informed the Corinthians that he was sending Titus to Corinth with two other men, which he doesn't mention. We don't know their names, but Titus and two other men who were official. These other men were official representatives from other churches. These other churches sent them there. When they were to arrive in Corinth, their job was to do one thing. They were to supervise the collection. They were in charge of it. Their job was to supervise the collection for the Jerusalem saints. Now, that's what Paul said in verses 19 through 23. I won't take the time to to read it, but that's what leads up to this. Now, what he's saying in verse 24 is that in light of, of their coming to Corinth, Paul is saying, I want you by your offering, 
by your display of generosity, by giving to the poor in Jerusalem, I want you to demonstrate to these delegates from other churches how loving you really are. And Paul said, I boasted about it. But now I want you to, to prove that my boast wasn't empty. I want you to give, and, I, and they're going to take note of this. In other words, their generosity in helping the poor in Jerusalem would prove to these other churches that God's love dwelt in the Corinthians. They were a loving church. They were a thoughtful church. They were a selfless church. Paul said, when, when these delegates observe you Corinthians giving, they're going to know how loving you are. Now, that's, that's what verse 24 is about. But I want to stop here and consider this. According to this verse, and this is the, the heart of it, Paul is teaching here that one of the benefits of being generous with our money is that believers from other churches can see our love. Now, that's interesting. That's interesting. He's not talking about uh, prove your love so that you have assurance of your salvation. The first John mentions that. How do we know the love of God dwells in us unless we're loving? But this isn't about that. This is about proof to other people that you're loving. Now, the question is, why? Why is that important? Why should we have to prove to anybody, let alone other churches, that we love? Why should we care what other Christians and churches think about us? Now, that has to be answered, because if you didn't think about that now, you would after the, the message. Why is it that we have to? Paul told the Corinthians, it's important that, that I, I boasted about you. It's important that they see that you're loving. The question is, why? Why is it so important? Well, the answer is that our testimony for Christ is tied to our obedience to his word. When other believers see our obedience, and in this case, our our love as a church body, they recognize that God's grace is at work in our lives, transforming us from being selfish, greedy people to being selfless, giving, generous people who love others, who are willing to sacrifice for others. We put that on display for others to see that. Why? Because ultimately that brings glory to God. Ultimately, when you see God's work in other people's lives, that ought to bring glory to you. Michelle and I were recently at a, uh, at a funeral of a young man who went to our, our church. Some of you may have known him, uh, Alan Traversa went to our church years ago, and uh, Alan just passed away. And Alan lived a life in rebellion to Christ. Years ago, I and others warned him about the path he was heading down, but he continued on that and really, really did some, some wicked things. But Alan Traversa gave his life towards the end of his life and died in his 30s. But Alan gave his life to Christ, and one of the amazing things he, he did uh, at the encouragement of hospice is he, he had a video of a, of a message, not, not preaching, but he was sitting in, in the church that he attended. He was speaking to the congregation about loving the Lord and living for the Lord. It was powerful. It was powerful. And I sat there looking at it and I thought he was a trophy of grace. To have known Alan earlier and to hear this man talk about commitment to Christ and, and living for the Lord and going to be with the Lord and it was marvelous. That's what I'm talking about. When, when we observe others, obedient to the Lord, and in this case, loving by, by giving uh, generously, we ought to give praise to God. We ought to glorify God. That's what, that's what Paul's talking about, because God is the source who's brought about this marvelous transformation. It's not, it's not us. So you see, we should be concerned about our reputation as a church, because a bad reputation as a church body is a poor reflection on the Lord who saved us. 
It's just a poor reflection. Let me, let me tell you a conversation I had with a, a member of our church, which I think uh, helps to, to illustrate this. A leader in another church in our community told one of our members that his perception, this was a few years ago, but that his perception of Lakeside was that we were a church who had a lot of knowledge about the Bible. We were taught the Bible, but he said we didn't do much about applying the word. That is to say, the accusation was that we were merely hearers of the word who loved to study and fill our minds with, with truth, but we went out of here and didn't put it into practice. We were not doers of the word. Now, honestly, I don't think that's an accurate picture of Lakeside. I, I think that certainly that's true of some. It's true of some in any congregation. I don't think that's characteristic of us as a body of, of believers I think we're a very loving congregation. I think we're growing in that. I think obviously there's room to grow more and be sensitive to people, but I don't think that's that's really a fair assessment. And I realize that some people, especially leaders, sometimes say negative things about other churches out of jealousy and envy, but be that as it may, that was the perception of this Christian leader. False or true, that was his perception. Should we be concerned about that perception? Uh, yeah, yeah, we should. Sure, because to be a church that is viewed as filled with knowledge without love is a poor testimony to Christ. It's a poor testimony for him and his work of grace in our lives. In fact, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, that any Christian who's filled only with head knowledge but not heart obedience is proud. Proud. Paul says that knowledge puffs up but love edifies, meaning that knowledge alone, knowledge without application, knowledge without love, it's just a very heady thing. It's an ego trip. It's being a theological egghead. It's just having all this information. But uh, love, he says, edifies. But you know how you dispel that perception that people have? One way to do that, to dispel this perception, is by demonstrating our love for others through our giving. Through our giving. Because there is nothing quite like sacrificial giving that shows our obedience to God's word to love others. This is what 1 John chapter 3 is talking about, and, and Jack has covered this in his studies on 1 John wonderfully. But let me remind you, 1 John 3.16, For we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. We ought to sacrifice for the brethren. We ought to give. John explains what he means by this. Whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? If you see somebody in need, especially a fellow believer, and you have the resources to meet that need and you, you don't do it, but you might say, I'll pray about it. John says, how does God's love dwell in you? The implication is it doesn't. And then he says, little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. Don't just go around telling people you love them, but love them. Do something. Love is an action. Love is a verb. It's not really a noun. It's a verb. So, if Paul was concerned about the testimony of the Corinthian church before other churches, and I might add it was a church that he had, he had written to them about their need for being loving. They were not always loving. 1 Corinthians 13 is written to them because they were not loving. But now Paul says, you've changed and I boast about you and I'm confident that you, that you are going to be loving. If Paul was concerned for the testimony of these Corinthian believers before other churches, then you know what? We ought to be concerned about our testimony before other Christians, and especially other churches in this community. We want them to see, not to exalt ourselves, but God's grace. We want them to see God at work in our lives demonstrated by giving because we love. 
We're not a, a, an extremely wealthy church. We're not a church, as far as I know, made up of uh, many millionaires. When we give, it demonstrates that we're giving sacrificially. It demonstrates our love. When we minister to those in our church and benevolent funds and, and uh, other things, and we even expand the facilities, and we don't have any other resources coming in. When you give, it is a demonstration of your love for others, your love for this ministry, your love for Christ, and it sends a very clear message to other people in other churches. Your personal generosity as a member at Lakeside testifies to the health of this church. Giving is not something that you just do. It's something that, that has a ripple effect and does send a clear message to others. It sends the message that God is in the process of shaping us into people who love others enough to give. That's what it does. And that's, that's a benefit of giving. Your giving is not insignificant. What does it do? The first benefit of being generous is that it demonstrates your love to others. It demonstrates the, the testimony of the grace of God in your life. Because let's face it, by nature, all of us are cheap and stingy. And when we give, it demonstrates God is doing a work, transforming us. Now, the second benefit, and this is just marvelous too. Number one is it demonstrates our love to others. Number two, the second benefit of being generous is that it stirs others to give. It, it has an impact on other people's lives. Notice verses one and two of chapter nine. For it is superfluous, meaning it's unnecessary, it's needless for me to write to you about this ministry for the saints or to the saints. For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the Macedonians, namely that Achaia, and that's just another name for Corinth, that was the region that Corinth was in. Achaia has been prepared since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. Now, keep that last phrase in mind. Your zeal has stirred up most of them. What does Paul mean by this? He's telling the Corinthians that even though he has just exhorted them to prove the genuineness of their love to these other churches that have sent official delegates to them, even though he's written to them, he says, quite frankly, it's unnecessary. It's unnecessary. It's superfluous. It's needless to, to write to you about, about doing this, about showing your love. Why was it unnecessary, Paul? Because he says in verse 2 that over a year ago, you indicated your eagerness, your, your zeal to help the poor saints in Jerusalem. You, you already have indicated this. I don't need to tell you to do this. You already started it. See, the problem with the Corinthians was not that they were uninterested in their poor Jewish brethren in Jerusalem. They had a heart for them. The problem was they started it and then didn't complete it. They were negligent for whatever reasons, probably false teachers impacting them and, and, and other things. But uh, that was the problem. They, they really had good intentions, but they needed help and encouragement in bringing this project to a conclusion. Started a year ago, now they needed to, to do something. You see, initially, and watch this, this is very important. Initially, Paul says in these verses, you Corinthians were enthused about it. He said, your readiness was, was evident. Your readiness was evident. You were enthused about it. In fact, so much so that your eagerness to give had a profound impact upon the churches to the north of you in Macedonia. Notice verse 2 again. For I know your readiness. That's why it's unnecessary for me to say, be ready or do it, uh, be enthused about this, of which I boast about you. I'm bragging about you. I've bragged about you to whom? The Macedonians. Namely this, that Achaia has been prepared since last year. And watch this, your zeal stirred up most of them. You know what he's saying here? He's saying that, that when you first heard the need, 
for the forgiving for the Jewish believers at Jerusalem. You were excited about it. You started giving and you were generous and you got the collection plates going. And you know what? When the Macedonians heard about this and they saw your example, you stirred them up. They got excited about giving. It was contagious. They caught the spirit. They, they became inspired. They looked at you and uh, they got inspired to give. They were motivated. They were encouraged. And they started giving. And, and so much so, the amazing thing is that the Macedonians went on. As Paul writes in chapter 8, that they went on to become the models of, of giving for all of us. Where did it start? Ironically, it started with the Corinthians. The Macedonians got excited about the Corinthians giving, and now Paul is turning the tables and saying, you know what? They're excited about it, and, and you haven't been lately. Now they're the examples to you. Now I want you to notice the end of verse 2, the phrase. It's an important phrase. Your zeal has stirred up most of them. Meaning that your zeal, you Corinthians, for giving has stirred up most of the church at, at Macedonia. And that would be several churches in that region. Now, this is important. You know why? Because it reveals to us that our generous giving has the potential to stimulate and to excite and to motivate other churches and, and other believers to be generous as well. Now, you may not think that. You may think, well, it's just between me and the Lord. They passed the collection plate. Who, who really cares? Just the Lord. The Lord sees it. No, no, no. Your giving, and especially collectively, what we give has the potential to, to send the message to other Christians and other churches that they should give to. It is contagious. Generosity begets generosity. About two years ago, I was with some friends in a, uh, a restaurant, uh, sort of a bakery restaurant, and all I could think, I was hungry. All I could think of was one of those things, you didn't sit down and order, you went through the, the line and picked out what you wanted, and all I could think about was eating. But you know what, there was a, a homeless man who was there. He was sitting off to the side, I think he may have had a cup of coffee, and, and that was it. I mean, he looked homeless, he was obviously very poor, poorly dressed. And while I was thinking about stuffing my face, uh, one of my friends went over to him and said, would you like a meal? He said, yes, I would. He said, well, come with me. And my friend took him to the counter and said, order whatever you want. And you know what? When I, when I saw that, I was deeply convicted, deeply convicted, because honestly, I never thought about anybody but myself. And as we left that bakery restaurant that day, I just sort of stayed back from others who were walking ahead, the group I was with, and I said, I confess my sin to the Lord of my self-centeredness and, and lack of generosity. And I said, Lord, I want, I want you to do a work in my heart concerning being, being generous. And God has been, been working in me. But where did it start? It started because somebody was a model for me about generosity. Somebody stimulated me to be generous because I observed their generosity. And quite frankly, what I have learned the most about generosity comes from, from being around people who are generous. I've seen it displayed. I've seen it illustrated. I've, I've seen it lived out. I've seen it modeled. And you know what? It is stirred within me. It has provoked me. And that's the word Paul uses here, though he's using provoke in a good sense. It has provoked me to be generous myself. And, and that's the point that Paul is making here. The Macedonians got excited about generosity because they saw it modeled with the Corinthians. Now, you think your giving 
can impact others to be generous, not, not just in the collection, but in other, in other ways. Now, keep in mind, we, we don't give to put ourselves on display to say, look how good I am. We're doing this for the Lord's glory. We're, we're, we want to be careful about this because there are some Christians who love, like the Pharisees, who love for you to know how much they're giving and, and what they're doing. And that's, that's not the point here. The point here is that you do model before others. You are a model of either being generous or not being generous. For example, you parents, what do your children see in you as far as generosity? What are they observing? When you go to a restaurant, are you generous with the server? You may think that's unimportant, but you know what? An extra dollar or two will not only enhance your testimony at a restaurant, especially if they saw you pray, but it will also send the message to your children. For the small amounts of a dollar or two, you will be making a major, major impact and in, in influencing your children about generosity. How are they going to learn to be generous? You need to, you need to display it for them because what you are, they will become. Be generous. Be generous. And, and not just parents, but all of us. All of us need to be alert to be generous so that others around us would be motivated to give liberally, to be those kinds of people. We, Christians are to be the most generous, magnanimous givers, not, not just in, in church, but certainly that's the heart of what he's saying here, but in our lives in general, not stingy, not cheap. We understand our God owns a cattle on a thousand hills, and if you need some money, he'll sell one of those cattle for you and provide it. He'll do that. And as a church body, just like the Corinthians before the Macedonians, we have a responsibility to model generosity before other churches in order to set a standard for them. Let me, let me give you an example of how this works. We support many missionaries on the field, and we hope to support more missionaries, and we hope to support more of our own people going to the mission field. What do you think our giving to support a missionary on the field says to the church that that missionary is pastoring? You know what it says, or that he's involved in? It says that there's a church in Clearwater, Florida, United States of America, that cares so much about the gospel that they're willing to pay and spend money to send this family here. Now, do you think that church is going to think, you know what, if they're doing that in Clearwater, Florida, and, and they think about giving and are generous, we should do that as well. And they should be thinking about supporting missionaries and sending people out and doing all that and being generous, we have the opportunity to demonstrate generosity before churches all over the world through our missions ministry. We have the opportunity to, to stimulate others in our own community to give as they observe us as an independent church that has no, no ties to any denominations, no other money coming in. We have an opportunity to stir them up to be generous, just like the Macedonians were generous because of the Corinthians. I mean, think of the impact of that. For 2,000 years, Christians have been looking at the Macedonian Christians and being influenced by their generosity. It all started at Corinth. just has an ongoing ripple effect. That's some legacy, isn't it? To be remembered for over 2,000 years as a great example is something I'm sure neither the Corinthians nor the Macedonians had in mind when they were so Christ-like in their generosity. They were simply letting Jesus live in them and giving Him control over their purse strings along with everything else. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. 
If you happen to be in Clearwater on a Sunday, maybe you'd like to stop in for a visit. The address is 1893 Sunset Point Road. For service times, call the office at 727-441-1714. Or to learn more about Lakeside, go online to www.lakesidechapel.com. The number again is 727-441-1714. If you call outside regular office hours, just leave a daytime phone number and we'll return your call. We're well into this series of lessons about generous giving. If you're just joining us and want to get caught up, let me point you to our website, firstbyverseradio.org. Click on the message archive page and search for the day you missed. You can listen online or download the file for later. And if the Lord is impressing upon you to help support this ministry, that's easily done on the giving page at firstbyverseradio.org. We thank all of the generous listeners who pray for us and give to help us stay on the air. But we do want to encourage everyone to remain financially faithful to their home church. This is Jerry Peterson. By nature, we are greedy and covetous. If you have any doubts, just take a look at the news reports. Or just watch a couple toddlers squabble over a toy that neither one of them can possibly live without. Our parents hopefully try to train us to subdue that natural bent. But even the best of them can't completely cure us of greed. Only Christ, the greatest giver of all time, can do that. And even then, it's not easy. I hope you can be here for our next verse-by-verse as Pastor Steve concludes this three-part sermon by showing how generosity, like other learned behaviors, becomes easier with practice. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com salemnow.com